Michelle, I am loving your new glasses. Well, gee, thanks. You're actually the one that inspired me to take care of my old ass eyes. Uh, yeah, girl, I had to get those floaters checked out, and I was in desperate need of new contacts. So I decided to make an appointment with a local eye doctor in lieu of one of those big box experiences. Oh, you aren't getting your eyes checked at the same spot you picked up your flat screen and lobster anymore? Oh, no, I hate lobster. But exactly, I wanted to have a relationship with the person who actually checks my eyeballs, and that is why I started going to West End Vision in LaGrange. You and me both, honey. And you know what else? What? There's something real cozy about going to a local eye doctor who also happens to be a woman. You can say that again. <laughs> Dr. Carrie John has 22 years of experience, and her staff are experts when it comes to helping you find the perfect frame for your face. Mm-hmm. And West End Vision feels like an eyewear boutique, too, which is awesome. So your shopping experience is a little bit different, and the frame selection is wide and unique. There is literally a frame for everyone. Agreed. And now I see through rose-tinted lenses thanks to West End Vision. Yeah, I wasn't sure about mm. those funky rose-tinted lenses at first, but Mike Mirror and his frame-styling expertise wouldn't steer you wrong. I am obsessed with them. Now, if you are overdue for an eye exam or are in need of a, a frame refresh, head to westendvision.com or call or text 708-482-3200 and schedule your next eye appointment. And be sure to mention the Sister Project for 15% off of a pair of non-prescription sunglasses. Hello and welcome to our podcast, Cozy Conversations with the Sister Project. I'm Lauren. And I'm Michelle. And we're so excited you stopped by for a visit. Come on in. Yeah, make yourself at home. We're two Midwestern sisters who love a good old-fashioned conversation and enjoy sharing our life experiences with one another and you. Consider this your one-stop shop for cozy, mindful well-being, along with some entertainment and lots of wheezy laughing. Oh, you bet there'll be a lot of that going around. <laughs> our goal is to live our coziest life and inspire you to do the same because the truth is, we think it's good for your mind and your body. Thank you so much for tuning in. Now, let's get cozy. Hear ye, hear ye. <laughs> hear ye, Hear ye. Your Royal Highness Michelle is joining me, your other Royal Highness Lauren, on Cozy Conversations with the Sister Project. For the royalest of all. <laughs> this podcasts. is the royalest of all podcasts. You guys know that I am a royal junkie and I try, it's like when me with royal stuff and true crime, I really try to get Michelle to just kind of like, Hang well, on that's what my, sisters do. That's what you we know, do. That's what we do. You know, you like say you're into something. And of course, I'm going to be like, well, I got to go. I, I need to see what's going on here. But you. I don't do this much to use. <laughs> I, I don't really. Well, Lauren, you've made it abundantly clear. You don't like the movies that I watch. You really aren't into the show. I mean, you publicly shame me for most things that I'm into. So I it's and it's just me following my little sister around, which that doesn't it's usually seem, the, it's the opposite flip, way. But here we but are. Here we are. So. We'll call it influence. I, I influence you. Yep, yep. Michelle, thank you for joining us Lauren. on this conversation this, today about the royal family <laughs> you guys today today's show i literally was like giddy speaking with both of our guests and i'll tell you who they are in a moment because i felt like i was sitting with like royal insiders oh no no you were sitting i know with royal i was insiders we we were we were and what i loved about this conversation have we even introduced them yet? no but have we're gonna we get there folks? we're gonna tell them too in a minute uh, because what i loved was sitting and watching you you know we have a list of questions that we prepare for these folks but you were like oh. a kid in a candy store hang on what about this oh, what can't. are your thoughts on that Listen, you guys, here's the deal. We sat down with the hosts of the podcast, Royally Obsessed. Start listening, start following them. If you have one 
ounce of interest in the royal family, this is who it's you want to be getting the information royal from. royal resource. It's, it is the royal resource. The. <laughs> it's so regal. Rachel Bowie and Roberta Fiorito both sat down with us to chat all things royal. And fun fact, we have family out in Italy with the last name of Fiorito. So maybe, maybe we're, we're related. related to Roberta. Kind of might be. Maybe might be. You guys, we are so excited for this conversation because... It goes beyond just like kind of royal gossip. We talk about the narrative between pinning two women against one another, a.k.a. Megan and Kate. We dove into Megan's new podcast, Archetypes, which I'm thoroughly enjoying. Thoroughly enjoying it as yeah. well. We like to say that Megan's got her voice is like, it's, it's smooth like butter. as butter. It's butter. It's like butter. It's like butter. And also, what we loved most about this conversation, as always, was having the opportunity to sit with Two women we've never met before yeah. across Zoom, across the wavelengths, and saying, God, they I sure are great. We really like them. <laughs> this happens to us a lot, and it's probably the best part of our job. Mm-hmm. So, you guys, we can't wait for you to check out this podcast. Please, again, follow Royally Obsessed. Check them out on Instagram. Check them out and follow and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. You will not be disappointed. They are your resource for all things royal. Enjoy the conversation. Here we go, girls. Here yes. we go. Yes. I have my oh, mug of tea. Yeah. Oh, oh, Roberta, so on brand. So that's, um, we've got William and Kate. Um, I have a mug that someone found me at TJ Maxx of, it's like a proper commemorative mug of Meghan and Prince Harry's wedding. Oh. And it's like a prized possession. Um, I'm so excited to talk to you guys. I am a royal junkie and I've made Michelle. She's really obsessed. <laughs> I'm and so I'm excited. Really, I'm really obsessed with you guys and your podcast. Same. So thank you for joining us today, Rachel and Roberta. We, we are, are so excited. We're thrilled to be here. I also have to say, I love you, both of your laughs. It's they're the best laughs of all time. And we're, we're big fans of yours as well. So thank you so much for having us. Yeah. Thank you for having us. And it's a great day to get cozy. I don't know about the weather where you guys are, but in New York city, it's so gloomy and just it's a good day to get cozy basically. Same here. It's super gloomy. We were just talking about this. We just recorded prior to this and we're talking about how it's like the perfect fall day. Yeah, a little we're, rainy, a little breezy. It is the season, sweater weather. Sweater weather. <laughs> we were just so we're going to get cozy and get royal and talk about more royal things. I hope you guys are down with that because that's what I'm here for. <laughs> it's what we're here for every day, 24-7, Roberta and I. <laughs> okay, well, I have my first question for you guys is, how did you guys get into Thank you loving? for asking is that, that you question. Asked? That was going to be my unwritten like, question. What was it that did it for you? Because I know what it was that did it for me. What did it for you guys that you guys got so into the royal family and whatnot? So I, I feel like we both, our royal love converged at the same time because Rachel and I both started at our company around the same time. But prior to that, my family moved to Scotland for a year when I was seven years old. And so we visited, we did all the palaces and castles in England and Scotland and Wales. And um, so my, that just sparked something within my seven-year-old heart that I just was like, <laughs> I'm just smitten. And then started writing for pure wow our parent company and so then we were covering all of the royals appearances and i just i fell in love again and then megan markle came on the scene a glamorous american woman who's a princess it was just a fairy tale so that is how i really fell in love with the royals 
I love it. Amazing. And Rachel? Yeah, for me, um, I think I was in third or fourth grade and I went to a museum in Boston and my mother purchased, I think I probably asked for it, but she okayed the purchase of Princess Diana paper dolls that I, like a very dedicated royal watcher, went home and cut them out. Like I ruined it. I think that this exact set of paper dolls is on the Warm and Wonderful website, or it was at one point for $350, but I like took scissors to them. And so they're, they're no good anymore, but I do still have them. Um, but it just kind of over time, my mom actually claims her, she takes credit for my love because when princess Diana was pregnant with William, she was pregnant with me. And so she just feels like through utero, like I became obsessed, but you know, I just, over the years, just continued to follow them. And then when Diana tragically passed away, I, was I think I was simultaneously solidifying a love of journalism and media and mm-hmm. sort of the nature of breaking news and my love of royals all converging. And it was the first first death as a I was in high school that I experienced of a public figure kind of in that way. I just didn't believe that it could happen. And it just again, I just everything was a touch point for me and continued my love. I have heard several people say that utero connection with princess Diana, that that's how they became so like kind of in love with her, um, and admired her during that time because they shared at the same time a pregnancy with her. Well, and Lauren is just a new mom and just had a baby and her little shares the same birthday as princess Diana. Like, that's incredible connection. Amazing connection. I first, I was seven one. Wow. Such a good birthday and Pamela Anderson too. So, you know, you have both uh, sides of the spectrum. (laughs) I love it. A lot of celebrities on that birthday. Yeah, But I I think you're totally right though, because I think, you know, you look back, my mom was following the hairstyle, the clothes there was just, you know, and it wasn't the time of social media too. So these tidbits were, were everything in terms of mirroring her style. And we know from just all the coverage of her over the years that she was so unique in how she was publicly as a mom, which was such a contrast to how the Royal family typically acted as in, as maternal figures. I remember my love for the Royal family began in like seventh, eighth grade, when I started to kind of pick up on princess Diana. And then of course, as you mentioned, when she was tragically killed in the car accident, I remember I was on the phone with my friend, AJ and that the news, just everything stopped. Um, and to this day, I really just admire who her, who she was as a woman. And honestly, her fashion, I saw what you guys just posted about the revenge dress, which is mm-hmm. so cool. I just love that she did that. And one of my favorite outfits of hers to this day, which is probably a bit laughable are her chunky sweatshirts with her, her biker spandex and her, her chunky socks. Isn't (laughs) it so fun that that's, that's all coming back to, cause I feel like that even through social media, these accounts like lady die revenge dress and lady die nineties, like it's her style is so relevant. It's so timeless. And it's, I think people are just now finding out about princess Diana and how iconic she was just through those styles, which is so Uh fun to see. Yeah. You know, that revenge dress was something, um, that was, that came out. She wore that dress. Do we know who the designer was? Christina Stambolian. Okay. Yeah. she wore that on the same night that Prince Charles came out and did he like announce his affair? Was that simultaneous? Is that what, what, what it was? Yeah. So he was doing an interview um, with Jonathan Dimbleby and he said uh, he was asked, like, did you ever fail in your marriage? And he said, no. And then he said, so you never once basically I'm summarized paraphrasing, but he said, you never once, you know, had an affair. And he said, 
no, we really tried until our marriage was irretrievably broken down. And then it was like, Oh, (laughs) the butt is important there because everything after that is what matters. So wasn't he with Camilla and is that how you properly say her name? Camilla? Yeah. Yeah. Wasn't she, weren't they together like on and off through and wasn't he writing her like love letters? There was a relationship there, right? Totally. Totally. They had been dating before he met Diana and then she was married to Andrew Parker Bowles and they had an affair. I mean, the timeline, everyone says different dates for when it started back up during his marriage to Diana, but I think everyone agrees it was obviously going on and he admitted to it on live TV. And so then Diana's mic drop moment was the revenge dress that had everyone's jaws on the floor. And she looked fantastic. Always stunning. Always and knocked Charles right off the front pages, I think really was the, the, uh, the result of that, that outfit selection. With the choker too, the chunky pearl choker and giant sapphire. Um, Like a train to it Mm -hmm. a little bit. Now, speaking of fashion and protocol on what royals can and shan't wear during maybe certain occasions and whatnot, is it true? Do you know, is it true that like they have to wear tights? for the most part. I don't, I've, I've read things about like there's certain protocol or, or off the shoulders is not allowed during some of the appearances and occasions. Is that true? Or is that just a fabrication of our obsession with the Royal family? I think that a lot of it is fabricated. I think that there's, you know, there's a lot of notes that say that they're required to wear a certain color nail polish right. tights. I think that there may be personal preferences or suggestions, but I think for the most part, none of this is written in a specific protocol Bible. Roberta, do you agree? Oh, totally. I feel like that's kind of, it's more so out of respect and deference to what they're doing in their role versus like a handbook of fashion style guides, because I feel like that would have to be thrown out every 10 years because style is always changing. But yeah, I, I totally agree. I think it's just more so, um, respectful dressing. And in some, in some occasions that is pantyhose in some occasions, that's a new nail, but that, that changes all the time too. And I think we've seen Royals break it. So it's like, okay, Royal protocol is Royal Schmodical. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Rachel and I roll our eyes at those headlines. Yes, we do. We do. Okay, I wasn't sure. I mean, I am a sucker for the Daily Mail, and I'll send Michelle these articles and be like, you have to just just to stay up to t- to date. Like, and if we're going to talk about it on the show, and that kind of stuff gets into the media, and it, it really kind of, um, I think, twists this perspective of how you can look at the Royal family Mm -hmm. as them being kind of like more calculating and really strict in their ways. And I feel like even now seeing, and you, I I heard on your podcast the other day, it's now the Duchess and Duke of Wales, right. And not Cambridge. The Prince and Princess of Wales. Yes, exactly. Which is a huge deal just because no one has officially used that title. Even though Camilla did have it, she didn't outwardly use it. So it really was stayed with Princess Diana until this passing to Kate. And with them and now with, of course, Megan and Harry being, you know, over on our side of the pond, I feel like there is a more modernized version of the Royals coming about. Now, with that being said, do we still consider, or Megan, Megan and Prince Harry will always be considered Royals, no? Roberta has a really smart take on this. Tell us. I mean, I I think the bottom line is that Prince Harry will always be the son of Princess Diana and that you cannot take away no matter what happens. And so I think that, yes, they will always be members of the royal family. The queen said herself, they will be much loved members of the royal family and of my family. And so I think that that's a bond 
forged by blood that really you can't take away. Um, but also Harry, Archie and Lilibet are very much still in the line of succession too. Mm-hmm. So that to me completely qualifies them as royal family members. Do you think that Harry would have abdicated himself by himself had he not met Megan? I mean, I think a lot of this was with Harry, this choice. I mean, I think that it's really inaccurate to put it entirely on Megan because I think this was brewing in Harry for a really long time, his discomfort, his mental health issues, which he's spoken openly about, not just on Oprah, but with the Oprah series that he did, you know, and over the years with his work with Better Up since leaving, I really think that it's hard to predict what would have happened, but I think this was driven as much by him as it was by Megan. Yeah. Yeah. I think too, like looking back at history as kind of a, a guideline, like we see what happens between an heir and a spare, especially in the case of princess Margaret, like how hard that can be to carry on the role of spare, which is an awful term for a person, but it is what they call the second in line. And so I think that that's Princess Margaret had such a tragic life at the end. We saw that, you know, reenacted, fictionalized in The Crown. But I think that that's an idea of what Harry probably had to go through. And um, and yeah, it's it's got to be so hard to be that person. Well, I also think that Megan, sometimes it takes another person to help you and to encourage you and support you. I think she was almost like the perfect person to give him that almost like allow him, not allow him, but say, Hey, it's okay. You don't have to stick in this situation. If you're not comfortable, if it's not good for your mental health. And I kind of think the cool part about her too, is that she could have been like, wait, what you don't, I married a Royal. I thought I was going to be a princess, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, like she was cool to be like, let's get out of here. I'm down with that. And I think that kind of shows true love to me Mm -hmm. that she was willing to also forfeit her Royal title for the happiness of her husband and for their family. Yeah. I think about like how much, um, how we were all so excited about when they were married and the anticipation for their roles as Royals and for them to toss that out the window, it just could never have happened lightly. Like it just had, it was something that they had weighed, I think for a long time and that they should have of course, weighed for a long time because of how monumental a decision that was. There was so much going for them. They were modernizing the monarchy. They were bringing an entirely new aspect to it. Megan's biracial, of course. And so that just was like, it felt so good to see them in the Royal wedding Mm -hmm. and then to have it all come crashing down. Like, I just don't think they could have done that lightly. And, um, it, it must've, it must've taken so much behind the scenes for them to finally make that call and gotten so bad too, I think. I'll never forget that photo. If you guys recall, I think it was the day that the news broke that the, that Megan and Harry were leaving the Royal family. And she had on that Brown turtleneck with the Brown, like silky skirt, she looked beautiful. Um, but she was like sweating up a storm. You can tell yeah. that she was like, and I'm like, I would be stopping <laughs> wet baloney pit city. <laughs> I know I would have been the, ex- I mean, I can't imagine <laughs> what was going on. Like physiologically within her body, you know, and then this news breaks. Oh, I, it was it was a really, it was a moment. It was, no, I remember moment. Roberta and I were together and we, we were, you know, the start to a new year, of course it was 2020 and it was January and Roberta and I were out. We had, 
given ourselves permission to join a friend who is also royally obsessed for champagne at the plaza, like toast the new year. And, you know, you think you can take this low key leisurely lunch. And then that news popped up on all our phones and it was a mad dash back to the office. I feel like we had to find an Uber really fast. It was so chaotic. (laughs) Michelle and I are enjoying the, um, the archetypes podcast. Mm, Yes. Are you both liking it as well? What are your thoughts on it? I love it. I just finished listening to the Issa Rae Z-Way episode and that came out today. And I think it's amazing. I think the guests are incredible. I mean, Paris Hilton, like surprise shock. I did not expect that at all. It's just, it it is a really, um, Megan is so well-suited for this type of platform I mean she her voice is so silky smooth I feel like Rachel and I are like constantly trying to be like Megan on the podcast and sound like that because she's just so good at it she's so good at it we we know it's not easy it's not easy we all know that (laughs) also she has a warmth to her I mean I she's having to to say to Paris Hilton that she felt ashamed for having judged her based on her archetype to say that to somebody. I mean, that that's, that takes balls. And also to like break down that conversation and have the person having the conversation open up and be vulnerable. I mean, there's, there's something to her as a person to be able to have those hard talks. I don't know. I absolutely. I also agree. I think she's really good at it. She is. I think it's a really successful concept of a show too. I think that I really find when I'm listening to it often, because it's usually walking around the city or just, you know, going about my day. And I, I totally float away from my Royal obsession and just really appreciate the actual conversation. And I think I also really clicked in with the Mariah Carey episode, which I know was early on. That was the second, I loved the Serena Williams conversation, but it was when Mariah called Megan a diva. And I was like, we just, and then it just kind of went past. Right. But then at the end, I just loved that Megan went back to it and was like, really explained how flustered she felt in that moment and kind of opened up to us, the listeners. It just, for me, just really solidified my enjoyment of the show. Yeah. It's an interesting, con- I love the concept of the show as well. Um, I think the concept that's interesting is, you know, we hear so much about Megan from other people, people that we ne- will never know. And we hear like through the grapevine from, um, you know, the people from the palace and whatnot. And this is a really beautiful way to actually get to know her as a woman and as a human being. And I agree with all of you, her voice is silky smooth. It's <laughs> so good. She's, she goes as ever, Megan, it's like, Oh, wow. We need to have a sign off like that. <laughs> yeah. Also the opening song, like I'm now starting to listen to it just casually, not just as it plays within the show. <laughs> I'm you guys, let's talk about her variety interview and cover the photos. I saw the photos before I read the, um, the interview and glowing you said I think Roberta maybe you said that she it's so glowy those photos were absolutely remarkable what are your thoughts on the photos and the interview I mean it was the the contrast too with the cut photos because I think there was a lot of black and white and harsh sharp lines in the cut and that's just New York magazine I think that's the style but for variety it was so much softer and there was like this almost ethereal light filter on some of them which was beautiful um I think for the article, it's interesting because in the cut, there was some dredged up royal animosity kind of sprinkled in. And there was like, oh, I've never signed anything. And oh, like, 
you know, I've lived through so much kind of deal. And I think with variety, it was a totally different approach. And she was able to actually, you know, craft her answers word for word because it was question and answer style. Mm -hmm. And I think that was really important. Um, and just to not have the Royal, like it's, it's more about her work that she's focusing on now. And that felt a little bit better. Like she was almost like in a healing process and not trying to bring up some of what they lived through. I don't know, Rachel, what, what do you think? Yeah, I think exactly what Roberta said. We've talked about it on the podcast. There was an interesting piece in the Washington Post many months back, or maybe just a few weeks, time goes so quickly, but um, about how Megan and Harry both really need to leave their royal trauma behind. It's not that it didn't happen, but just move forward and kind of distance themselves a little bit to start fresh and really give themselves that space. It's a great piece if you haven't read it. Um, And I I really felt that from the variety story that it was very centered in joy and looking forward. And I also loved her, I think it was her, or no, maybe it was the writer that cast her as the nerdy American mom. I so related to that. And I was like, I like that she's talking about having the T-Rex jingle in her head and she can't stop singing it and drinking wine in bed and that she wants more Julia Roberts rom-coms because I felt that I could really relate to a lot of that. Yeah. I think where the cut was a little cringy, like, oh, Harry and I are salt and pepper and like those palm trees in our yard. That's us. Like that's where variety was like, oh, she's so relatable. Like she's doing Duolingo French in bed. Like that is me. That is me. I'm drinking wine in bed. Way more relatable, but Michelle and I weren't sure if she was maybe playing it a little safe with some of her questions or some of her answers. In variety. I just felt like there was, she was saying in some instances, not saying a whole lot in effort not to offend or something. It seemed like she was just like, or or almost even like not really totally answering the question that was asked. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, yeah, like the prime example of that is the documentary because they were really kind of asked like what's happening with the documentary. There was, and she mentioned Liz Garbus, who's the director and that she has a profound respect for her as a person and is going to let her tell her story through her point of view. And it was like, maybe question, like, is she a little worried about how this will come up here to people or is she just saying she does really respect the director and is excited? It's hard to tell. I totally agree. She, she is very well-trained in PR. She is an actress that has done so many interviews. She is totally like a PR, I think just, yeah, a a well-trained in PR is what I'll say. One of my, um, one of the pivotal moments for me and my, um, relationship with Megan (laughs) from afar, was when I think it was in, I I think you can definitely call it that. (laughs) (laughs) I think it was, was it the Washington post? No, no, no. I think it was the New York times when she wrote that op-ed about her miscarriage and that was, and I was, I read that during like a second round of IVF that I was going through and, you know, you have all the shit splattered out there about her and her, her relationship with Kate Middleton. And just to have her talk about that experience. And I, I, she, she mentioned how, you know, she felt, and then I think she, maybe she felt the cramping and then saw blood. So she was holding Archie and like fell to the ground. And I'm like, now as a mom, I'm like, oh my God, how is she got past that and then was able to share that, um, that was a remarkable piece of, of written material that she wrote. I was blown away by that. And it was so relatable. That was the most actually relatable thing she I've ever heard from her before. 
Absolutely. I print, I mean, I think I printed it out to save. I thought it was so beautifully written and powerful. And I feel like even this past weekend, I know it sounds silly, but I was at a Halloween party and got into a conversation where people were talking about someone that I was speaking with was talking about going through these rounds of IVF and IUI and just, I felt so open and and comfortable in these conversations. And I thought of that article, like I think of that article often, and I think she really made it so much more acceptable to put these things at the forefront. Mm -hmm. And I just, I don't know why Meghan Markle pops in my head when I think of those conversations and, and discussing them openly with people now. Yeah. It's, it's an article where I do remember where I was when I first saw it too, because it was Thanksgiving that it came out and we hadn't heard from her in a long time. And um, it was November and it was titled the losses we share. And I think Thanksgiving is such a moment of gathering and family and gratitude. And then to have this powerful piece penned by the Duchess of Sussex about a miscarriage is like, it, it was, it was perfectly timed. I think it was, it was a moment to reflect on the pandemic. I mean, we were six months into the pandemic at that point too. And it felt like, Megan reaching out and kind of giving voice to a, a lot of losses that people had encountered in a very difficult year. Wow. Yeah. yeah about grief. Exactly. Yeah. Uh-huh. Do you guys think that the Royal family likes or dislikes the amount of information that Harry and Megan put out there about their personal lives? Cause they put out, I, I love it. I feel like they are now actually, I think maybe it was in the variety magazine article. Someone referred to their stuff as the content that they are creating. I mean, they are literally now content creators mm-hmm. and there's so much more than that, but they are creating content. And to do that, you put a lot of your personal um, lives out there. Do you, th- what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I feel like it's anathema to the Royal family's kind of mantra that we always talk about, which is never complain, never explain. They uh-huh. just are not so outspoken. They don't really engage with the media, although we've learned that obviously there's an invisible contract, there's palace sources that get briefed and all of that, but not outwardly so much in interviews and things like that. And so I think that that's probably, um, it's probably shocking to them, but I think that Rachel and I always talk about the monarchy and how it can evolve with the times. Mm -hmm. That's something that we'd love to see the Royals do more of going forward. Because when you hear it straight from their mouths, there's not this, the headlines flash across the front pages of the tabloids that are so, you know, taken out of context or, you know, it can, if you just read the headlines, so many people just read the headlines called headlining, and that can be so detrimental to what the, what the story actually is. And so I think we would love to see the Royals do more of what the Sussexes have been doing, which is opening up and hearing it from themselves straight from the horse's mouth, for lack of a better cliche. Yeah, I think it's the best way to modernize for them as well. I mean, I think we are at this really pivotal turning point for with King Charles III at the helm. And are we going to see a shedding of that? Never complain, never explain. How will they add to that? But it's like, if you look back when Kate, I remember, was this also January, 2020, that she went on that motherhood podcast in the UK, it maybe wasn't, you know, a huge amount of anecdotes that were shared, but we learned about her morning sickness battle. We learned about what it was like to bring George out on the front steps to those crowds. It was, you know, choice details that she shared, but it's, those are the hooks that really draw us in. And I think Harry and Megan have been so expert at controlling their narrative and are you not controlling, but doing it on their terms versus through the Royal Rota. Of course. And that's important for them. I think is their, their whole thing was on our terms. And now let's hear a word from our sponsor. 
Back in 2021, I had the opportunity to sit down with Aviva Brill, a life coach and the founder of Copilot for Wellness. Little did I know how badly I really needed this conversation. Navigating time management, work-life balance, and decreasing mental clutter were the main focuses of my continued journey to evolve and grow as a person and a businesswoman. Co-pilot and life coach Aviva Brill has a master's in clinical social work as well as a certification in holistic coaching, which makes her a really skilled listener, meticulous note taker, and an intuitive support system. Aviva literally is your co-pilot. Specifically, Aviva offered me tools to be a more effective communicator, especially when it came to having the more difficult conversations. Because of that, I feel empowered and confident, more now than ever before, both personally and professionally. When I decided to invest in myself with Aviva Skilled Coaching, each session felt like a hybrid therapy coaching experience. The conversations ebb and flow depending on the subject, leaving me with the endorphin rush of a therapy buzz, along with the action items as the goal is always focused on moving the needle forward. Does any of this resonate with you? If so, maybe you are in need of a co-pilot. For more about Copilot and life coaching with Aviva Brill, head to copilotforwellness.com and reference the sister project at time of sign up for 10% off. Michelle. Yes. As a new mom, I am realizing that there is nothing more important than having access to incredible care for my kid. Yeah, isn't that the truth, Lauren? Mm-hmm. And now you get it more than ever with your sweet little Luna. I know. I love her. Okay, let, let's stand the script here. <laughs> okay. I know I always say this, but it really does take a village to get these kids through life, especially if a little one needs an extra hand meeting their developmental milestones as they grow. That's why our friends at Hummingbird Pediatric Therapies are just the village you are seeking should your child need services. Their therapies range from pediatric counseling, speech, occupational, feeding, and physical therapy. Wow, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. And beyond that, they offer neurodevelopmental treatment and social-emotional playgroups. Hummingbird offers the most comprehensive five-star-reviewed pediatric therapy in the Chicagoland area for children of all developmental stages. Hummingbird helps kids and parents navigate big toddler feelings, autism, sensory processing disorder, Down syndrome, picky eaters, speech delays, and many other developmental delays and genetic disorders. If you have a small child and are curious about their milestones, check out Hummingbird's developmental tool at hummingbirdpediatrictherapies.com. That interactive checklist option is free, and with just a few questions answered, you will get immediate feedback at no cost. For more about Hummingbird Pediatric Therapies and their services, or to make an appointment for your child, head to hummingbirdpediatrictherapies.com and meet your tribe. And now, back to our cozy conversation. I don't think anyone truly knows what's happening behind the scenes. Mm. Roberta, do you agree, disagree? No, I totally agree. I think it's hard to know for sure, but I do think um, from what I've read in biographies and just um, documentaries and stuff, it does seem like uh, what happened and what triggered it is just that they didn't have enough time to really get to know each other. Like there wasn't enough bonding time there and there wasn't a lot in common, or at least not on the surface, because I think, I mean, Rachel and I both really love and respect both Kate and Megan. And I think they could find things to bond over, but there was, there was so, there was not enough of that meeting period. And I think warming up to each other and 
that's what a lot of people have said to us, at least sources have said that they just, they never really interacted that much. They didn't have like a sister-in-law hangout. And that's unfortunate that, I mean, that really matters. And yeah, I, I just don't think it ever happened. I mean, I think I saw them like in a social event, like what, what did they go to Wimbledon together or something yes. one time? What I was going to say is that the tragic thing here is that I, I've said plenty of times to someone like, oh, you know, I love Megan. And and it's, it's, it's so cut. It's one or the other for people. It's either you like Megan or you like Kate and that's it. You can't like both. And I'm like, that's actually kind of fucked up. Why? (laughs) I know. I know. It's so polarizing weirdly. And I feel like so many things in this country are polarizing that it's really unfortunate. That's something like this, that we find so much enjoyment and respite from because Rachel and I do, we feel like our podcast, our book is a respite for people and a sense of like fun and happiness and like we love the Royals. We want to share that love with everyone. And we love to celebrate them. This is where people come in, in the, these, you know, huge Royal moments, they come to this community and weddings and births and christenings and all that stuff. And I think, I think that's where it's hard is that there is like, Oh, uh, I don't like her. I don't like her. It's like, why did you make up your mind? So, so fast? And it's so yeah. intense, like, you don't know them. <laughs> yeah. And even I always, think of what Megan said in the Oprah interview is just because you like her doesn't mean you have to hate me. And that really is exactly what continues to play out with this, um, audience. And it's, it's really complex. Do you guys have a favorite Royal? Rachel, you go. Dead or alive. I I know, I know what your answer is. You'd be no longer living. It's for sure. Diana, for me, I, by any book instantaneously, instantaneously, if she's on the cover. So I feel like, you know, she just really was, she was this person that overcame so much adversity and just was so human throughout. And I think she's the Royal that I continue to feel about. I mean, I love all of them, but I think she's my favorite. And I, I have to say my favorite is I miss her so much is the queen I feel like the lack of pastel wardrobe just in itself is so sad, like to not see that bright spot. And it was like a bright hit of serotonin in every picture. It was just so So wonderful to see. Um, I think that, you know, her story, I know you guys talked about this on a previous podcast, but she was never really meant to be queen. She took up this duty after her uncle abdicated, her father became king. He died very young. He died in his fifties and she became queen at 25. And so just to know that um, for 70 years, she reigned so steadfastly and so dutifully and was so wonderful and such a, like a happy, bright spot too. I think, I think that is my answer going forward for the end of time is the queen. Also Louis is a player for me. Like after the Jubilee, I just feel like Louis is good. Oh, and Charlotte, Charlotte's so cheeky and she sticks her tongue out to the photographers. It's so funny. I I can't wait to see that. And that's the thing. I wish I would love to see more of Lilibet. Love that name, by the way. And Archie, because they're just, they're darling kids and I want to see their personalities. And I'm I'm hoping we get glimpses of them here and there. I know respect, I I obviously respect their want for privacy with them, but selfishly yeah. I just want to see the curiosity what they yeah. yeah exactly well, isn't it it's kind of fun to know that Megan can talk she's open to talking about them so much in her interviews like she talked about picking him up from school and he loves story bots like those things are fun and I feel like we need more pictures for sure I'm totally with you we need more pictures but like I know adorable. I know 
Same. Okay. We wanted to play a little round of marry, shag, or kill. <laughs> and I know maybe that's not the most royal thing or game to play, but we've got some good candidates. Okay. <laughs> so I love it. we're going to keep it easy and it's going to be Mary, shag, or kill, Prince William, Prince Harry, and King Charles. So have at it, ladies. <laughs> Roberta, would you like to go first? Whoa. I'm, a, I'm making a, I'm making a face because I was too. It's too easy. Um, <laughs> oh, I'm definitely gonna. Sh- should I say who I'm gonna shag first? I'm gonna definitely shag Harry. I feel like oh, he's babe. such a he's such a playboy. Not, not playboy. That's horrible. <laughs> He's just like a, such a fun guy. Like his, his party days, like he would be so fun to shag. Um, I, feel, <laughs> I feel like I would kill Charles, unfortunately. Womp womp. I, mean, I get it. Yeah. I mean, and, the, he's, yeah. It's, that's, that's, I, I only have three choices. And then I would marry William. He is, he. But why? I think that he would be a great partner. I feel like him and Kate make a great team. And I think he's an awesome, awesome dad. And so. <laughs> Those are qualities I look for. I I feel like Rachel probably has the same answer. Maybe she wants to shag William. I'm surprised that you chose to marry William. No judgment. I think I I would I would probably marry Harry because I I based on looks a little bit I find him pleasant very pleasant to look at. He was Harry. So, they both were so William is a William was a super he was a baby. Gay so back in like teens early twenties. How do you? It's it's the hair. It's the, the hair, hair that the really. Male, it's like pattern balding is just ruined. What's it. what's going on with that gene in the royal family? Because really, oh, it's like it's everyone, so even Harry now. It's it's kind of surprising actually. But yeah, There's I mean technologies though that you can do to get, especially with the royal <laughs> money. I mean, pop a couple plugs, you know. Here Where is the Rogaine team in, at the Royal Castle? Like, seriously. So wait, this is such a random question. And we'll get Rachel back to answer Mary Shagger Kill. But Roberta, are they like super, super, super wealthy? Are they oh, like, there she is. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Really I'm wealthy. so sorry, you guys. Did I just okay. I, Kristen I, I just switched the Wi-Fi. So hopefully that fixes it. I don't know you what sound is going good. on in our office. Okay, okay. Okay. We'll finish that back up again and ask now, Rachel, it's your turn. Who are you marrying? Who are you shagging? And who are you killing? Okay. I think Roberta's going to give me a hard time about this, but I'm going to flip it and say shag William and marry Harry and sorry again, kill girls. Yeah. I'm with you. But, but here's my reasoning. So ever since we saw those vaccine shots of William, where he had like his, remember his arm was filled up and he's so tall and handsome. And I also have always loved William. Like I, when I was in, I guess, middle school or early high school, ninth grade, I wrote a a letter to William asking him to come to a high school dance. Like I am, I've always nerded out over William. So he is my main, my main squeeze. But, um, but Harry, I think for marriage, like his sense of humor, his joy, Mm -hmm. he's also really great with kids. Like you kind of can't go wrong on the marriage front with either of those guys. Okay. With the arm thing, are you saying that William's built? Are you saying that? Okay. I'm going to find this picture. I'm going to find this picture. He does appear to be a fit fellow. I mean, this is so off topic. They're so sporty. (laughs) Him and Kate are so sporty. The Royal Guns are coming out. All right, let That's me send. This is where I feel I'm like going is- to the Royal Gun Show. In oh, here, here it is. Four. Can you click that? Roberta with the fast Google. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, 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 well. <laughs> you know what? You know what? Had me at those biceps. I love. I love that. That's what did it to you. It's that vaccine photo. <laughs> 
honestly <laughs> i think i that so one's, good yeah, i might shag him Let me oh you, i would totally you had me at vaccine photo things you never okay. thought you'd say here's here's the thing if because i'm marrying william i can shag him all i want that's true did anyone ever think I of like that I like where your head's at i like I, where your head's at. i'm dying over this i'm sorry like when you said you like you saw william's shirt for whatever reason like i just popped in my brain again off topic but like that horrible photo that keeps always we see from of Putin on horseback without a shirt on. Do you guys know, do you guys know what photo I'm talking about? It's yeah. always, it's always without a shirt. And he's a little bald, kind of like William, but William is much better looking than that horrible human being. Um, Rachel, while you went away for a moment, I asked her, yes. this is something I have no knowledge of. We were, we were wondering, are, is like the Royal family, like Uber, Uber wealthy. Are they like insanely rich? I mean, I look at their clothes and I'm like, they're wearing like $10,000 outfits. Is that, are they just so rich? Yeah. And I, I don't know the exact stats on their wealth. Although I did just see a story that the new prime minister, the likely candidate um, has double the wealth of Charles. Is that totally inaccurate? I, I probably should fact check that. No, I saw that too. I think what's interesting is the clothing budget. It all comes from the sovereign grant, which is this thing that the Royals get every year. It comes from the taxpayers, the UK taxpayers. And so, but really it adds up to like, I think it's like one pound a year out of the taxpayers money. And so it's really not that much per person. If you think about what the Royals bring as far as tourism and the industry there is like a multi, multi multi-billion dollar industry for the UK. And so I think that they've long ago settled with themselves that it's well worth it. But yeah, I mean, the, the clothes, the oh, travel, cool. the helicopters, all of, of it. They're, the yeah. Rovers, the Rolls Royces. I'm like, yeah. this? these people go in style to funeral. Did you think that they were going to be traveling in Subaru? No, I did not. <laughs> I'm always just so surprised by it. I'm like their funeral attire. I'm sorry. Like that is like goals. Like yeah. Yeah. Armani. Yeah. And I know, I know Beautiful. it's incredible. Prince Phillips um, funeral. Her like the the fascinator. I just was oh, that shot that. was she so is, stunning. She that shot is insane. She is impeccable in her wardrobe. I mean, it's yes, it's, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, oh, and it's take. I was sorry. gonna say it's taken a long time to kind of get. Not a long time. I I think it's taken a journey to get there because I think um, she's crafted a style over time that now feels so recognizable to Kate and is a lot like how we see, you know, a pastel outfit or coat dress and hat and think the queen, I feel like Kate has that blueprint down now to a science for her. I don't know. What do you think, Rachel? I mean, I think that she is, yeah, just really coming into her own. I was going to ask Lauren, I know you're royally obsessed. Do you run out and buy the things that the Royals wear like us? Like, I think that's one of my oh. things. Is I that mean, Kate what just are you wore this. buying? Are you buying like what she's wearing? Are you guys? <laughs> if it's, if it's affordable, <laughs> if it's the high, low styles, like yeah. she just wore this gorgeous mustard colored dress that was in the $200 range. And I was like, done. And I saw there were five left. It was Karen Millen and I grabbed it. But I think that that kind of it's impulsivity tied to the Royals that does, you know, all boost She's an influence, the economy. Yeah. Yep. Royally influenced. She's, you've sure. been royally influenced. by Kate. Yes. Yes. No, I don't do that. I've never thought about that, but now that you bring it up, <laughs> I'm probably going to be sh- spending more money on Kate. And I mean, Megan's, I love, I do feel more aligned with Megan's fashion because she obviously has, she has a more of an American twist to her fashion and yeah. she's got like her little cozy beanies and her layered scarves like that. Yes. Michelle and I, yeah. that were very simpatico in that way. 
Um, oh, excuse Pardon. us. Excuse We've got us. a baby Kevin. crying upstairs oh. and a dog. So, oh. Okay, Kev. Um, we just have a oh. couple more um, okay. questions. One of the last questions we wanted to ask you guys about, not only are you podcasters, but you're also authors as well. And you have a book titled Royal Trivia. And can you tell us a little bit about it? I love the cover, by the way. There it is. It's oh, so Roberta. <laughs> Holding quick, it up. With the quick, quick grab. Yeah, I feel like uh, I can just say really quickly that I feel like um, Rachel and I wanted to dive a little bit behind the royal headlines that we always see and really investigate what the real story is from the royals own mouths. And so we did do a lot of that. It is question and answer. So it's easily digestible and it's broken out into five chapters um, about each of the royals. And so um, the modern royals, I guess I should say. And yeah, we had so much fun writing this. It was so fun to kind of in tandem with, you know, there's the crown, there's all this attention on Meghan and Harry to just sit back and let, um, and really investigate we're journalists, Rachel and I, and to really investigate the facts and the story behind what we hear in the news. And did you guys come up with any surprising information? Were you taken aback by some things? I mean, I'm assuming if you're uncovering bits and details, you were like, oh shit, I had no idea that this is how that went down. I think for me, I really loved kind of going back to the firsthand accounts of like William's preschool years that he was called Billy the Basher and really kind of was a, you know, through a lot of tantrums, things like that. Also, you know, that one of my favorites that is still on YouTube is that Kate is a fantastic singer. She's kind of jack of all trades and you can go on YouTube and Google. She played um, the lead role in My Fair Lady and is singing, isn't, I think it's called, isn't it loverly the song? And it's just really kind of amazing that you can, wouldn't it be loverly I think is the song and she is just so fantastic and it's just there on YouTube to see her child child um play that that she did as a child so it's really kind of fun just uncovering these gems and going back to those first person person accounts from the actual era that they were happening in yeah Um, I want to one of my favorite ones and I loved um revisiting Diana because I think I didn't know as much as I thought I did about Diana until we wrote this book and so we really went back through the archives. One of the things that felt so um, representative of what was going on at the time was this fact that Diana spilled perfume all down her wedding dress at her wedding and was holding her bouquet in front of it to cover this giant stain because that, that taffeta is showing everything, you know, that's, (laughs) that's, that stain is there for the rest of her life. And I I thought that was, she's so nervous. She was so nervous that day. She was, you know, just turned 20 years old and he was 32. She was in front of the world, had millions of eyes on her. And I thought, oh gosh, she's just like all of us, you know, she was this sweet, sweet thing. And, um, and yeah, I mean, I think, uh, uh, almost pit handpicked for this role that, that she was seemingly wholly unprepared for. Uh huh. Wow. I cannot wait to read it. Michelle, were you going to say, no, I just, I I love this conversation. I love you guys. I have such a joyful banter between the two of you. I took a deep dive into your podcast when we found out we were going to chat with you and thoroughly just want to say thoroughly enjoy listening and conversing with you. You guys are fun to talk to. Well, that's so nice of you to say, because, and I think we feel the same about you guys. It's very special as you I'm sure can relate to find such a Totally. Genuine relationship with a partner. I feel like Roberta and I feel like business partners yeah. in this, but we're the friendship is what we always come back to. And it we love that our audience resonates with that too. It totally means a lot to us. From you guys, yeah. I love it. Sure. And now I know that the crown comes out what November 4th? November, November 9th. 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 
And this, can you give us a quick um, synopsis of what's going to be, what are we covering? What era? It's Princess Diana. Is it, is it during, is it the beginning of the relationship? Where are we at when we come back to the crown? The nineties. So we're really, but we're not going to be seeing her. She will not, we will not see the accident in Paris in this season that will take place in season six. So it's really the bulk of the end of their marriage. And it's the Queen's Annis Horribilis where it's, you know, the fire at Windsor Castle, Fergie and Andrew also splitting up and Charles and Diana. So many things that the Queen had described in that year being the worst. Yeah. Wow. Wow. How many seasons of the crown are there going to be? Do we know? There's well, the fifth one's coming out November 9th, the sixth, probably hopefully next year. I mean, that would be a really long time to wait if not. And then I think there'll be seven. So the sixth is um, seemingly pictures from the early 2000s. So maybe even up to like, I think, right, Rachel, it's seven total. I think they said the sixth is the last. Is oh, what really? I, okay. Yeah, I think that the sixth is supposed to be the last unless they extend it. They added the sixth. The sixth oh, that's what I'm thinking of. Okay, that's what yes. I'm thinking of. Well, ladies, it has been a royal pleasure (laughs) chatting with both of you. (laughs) I can sit and talk about this. I wish we had three more hours. I feel like you guys, like Lauren, just like, this is like a bucket list highlight moment for my sister. No one, I I try to talk about the rules with people and they're like, I'm team Kate. I'm like, no, I don't care what team you're on. I want to talk about all the other cool things going on. You can call us and text us anytime. (laughs) We are happy. Like when a headline breaks, you can send it to us. We'll just have a group chat. I was going to say, can the four of us be in like the best group text ever? Because that sounds yes, amazing. Yes. Um, yes, we can. Yes, you guys. Oh, Lauren, you I, guys was already thinking about, I was already thinking about how I'm going to go home and take a photo of, I have another commemorative piece. It is a four piece wine, wine glass set of um, Princess Diana's wedding. And my, mo- oh. my mother-in-law found it at an estate sale. I have to send what? you photos. It's so freaking cool. Please. Um, okay. I hope we get to do this again one day. I know that we should probably shut this down because you all <laughs> you have more royal things to tend to. <laughs> I cannot thank you guys enough for your time. Um, thank you for the work that you are doing for a person that's so obsessed with the royal family. Um, you give that life to me. So thank you. We'll share oh. all of your links to our, um, our folks and our audience in our show notes they can find you on instagram at royally obsessed correct at royally obsessed podcast on instagram and we are on tiktok now and you can email us yeah so yeah new um, episodes of the podcast are every thursday perfect and then um that's that i think okay and your book of course on amazon or at any bookstore they can find it just google it they've got it exactly great gift for um, a royal lover like ourselves royal trivia and thank you so much for having us this was so much fun we're so glad we got the chance to talk good cozy royal chat hopefully the first of maybe more to come ladies yes please thank you so much and we hope you guys stay cozy wherever it is that you are during this recording Back in 2021, I had the opportunity to sit down with Aviva Brill, a life coach and the founder of Copilot for Wellness. Little did I know how badly I really needed this conversation. Navigating time management, work-life balance, and decreasing mental clutter were the main focuses of my continued journey to evolve and grow as a person and a businesswoman. Co-pilot and life coach Aviva Brill has a master's in clinical social work as well as a certification in holistic coaching, which makes her a really skilled listener, meticulous note taker, and an intuitive support system. Aviva literally is your co-pilot. Specifically, Aviva offered me tools to be a more effective communicator, especially when it came to having the more difficult conversations. 
Because of that, I feel empowered and confident, more now than ever before, both personally and professionally. When I decided to invest in myself with Aviva Skilled Coaching, each session felt like a hybrid therapy coaching experience. The conversations ebb and flow depending on the subject, leaving me with the endorphin rush of a therapy buzz, along with the action items as the goal is always focused on moving the needle forward. Does any of this resonate with you? If so, maybe you are in need of a co-pilot. For more about co-pilot and life coaching with the Viva Brill, head to copilotforwellness.com and reference the sister project at time of sign up for 10% off. Thank you for joining us for today's cozy conversation. For more of the sister project, check us out on Instagram at the sister project and our website, www.thesisterprojectblog.com. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and maybe even drop us a review until next time. Stay cozy.